and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valley Mikeley and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag podcast. Um, we've kind of been, I guess, baking in the heat across the Western United States right now, and I don't know if that's a correct term, but there's definitely heat advisories and fire warnings and it's, I don't know, it's a matter of sneezing and catching something on fire, at least out here. I don't know what Colorado's like right now, Catherine, but it's it's a little scary. It's the same. Yeah, we are just baking it up here and setting record highs and having a grand old time for it only being early July. Yeah, it feels like August or, you know, the beginning of September where, where we're ready for a break. And I don't know if we're going to get a break anytime soon, but early morning runs are, are my friend right now, because if I'm out past eight o'clock, I'm dying of heat. It seems like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the same here and looking forward to some relief, but uh, the weather forecast doesn't seem to be promising that anytime soon. No. And I think, I think we talked about before popsicles and ice cream sandwiches are our friends right now. (laughs) I guess they are. And I'm not ashamed to admit I've been taking refuge in a stock tank trough. Don't worry, I cleaned it out first. <laughs> as long as there's no too much algae or nasty nope. stuff growing, you should be you should be fine. <laughs> Clean the algae out, so we're all good for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> good deal. Well, Catherine, I, we as we were talking, um, we would kind of mentioned it. I think it was the beginning of Sarah Places. Um, interview about the title board um, or the Supreme Court ruling against um, the pause initiative or the um, ballot initiative that was ended up number 16 or whatever on on the pause act that we had previously covered with Rachel Gable. Um, But I thought it'd be a good time. Maybe we could discuss a little bit of what what the Supreme Court's ruling really was and kind of what it might mean for the future of ag and, and knowing that this is coming in more than just Colorado right now um, kind of scares me. So what, I guess, do you want to tell listeners what the Supreme Court um, ruled ruled against um, as far as the pause, pause initiative in Colorado was concerned? Yeah, and let's just rewind a little bit and give our listeners a little bit of a refresher on what the pause initiative was. Um, so this was, so Colorado is one of the states where ballot measures can be enacted, which means that citizens vote on issues rather than, um, rather than issues going through the normal legislative process. So, um, you know, you get, you get your issue on the ballot and the rest of the state gets to vote on it and, um, it sticks one way or the other, um, come election day. So the pause initiative was a blatant attempt to shut down animal agriculture in Colorado. Um, it made it made common agricultural practices um, illegal to perform. We're talking things like artificial insemination, um, ultrasounding on cows to see if they're pregnant, um, you know, and even 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 using um, well, like I say, common animal practice, com- common animal husbandry practices, um, and and criminalizing them um, even to the detriment of that animal's health. Um, not being able to properly take care of animals because the tools we had would be removed. Um, and and it was, I mean, it was pretty scary while it was out there for, for agriculturists. Um, 
you know, looking at this coming down the pipeline and thinking, wow, we're going to be out of business here and not too long if this thing actually passes. Um, and added, didn't they add the age of animals too in there and we couldn't slaughter before oh, process yeah. until like 25% of their age, but they put cows at 20 years old. So yeah, could- that was another interesting point was they you couldn't slaughter an animal until it had lived 25% of its natural lifespan and it defined what natural lifespans were um, in the in the initiative. And I mean, yeah, they had cows with a natural lifespan of 20 years. They had chickens with seven years. I've never met a seven-year-old chicken. Not sure that I want to either. <laughs> and I sure as heck don't want to be eating five or six-year-old beef. Um, not if I can help it. I like I like a nice steak that you can cut with your fork and, you know, brag about it to people. <laughs> yeah. I, anything that ends up five or six years that we end up eating ends up in hamburger or, you know, you keep a few of the steaks and the rest gets in hamburger and it's, mm-hmm. it's a cold cow or, you know, something that's, that's been around, but just couldn't, couldn't produce one more baby or had something wonky happen or a bull that was done reproducing, um, and it ends up all in hamburger, which it tastes fine, but I really like, yeah, that grain fed 18 yeah. month old prime animal. And I think, <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen if this were to pass. Right, exactly. So it's really taken aim at uh, production agriculture. And uh, as Valley mentioned, if you guys want to hear, you know, more about the, the, details of the act. Um, go back to our episode with Rachel Gable and listen to that one. She did a really nice job of laying it out for us. Um, so fast forward now. Fortunately, we have um, in Colorado, our Supreme, our, our state Supreme Court has overruled um, this, this initiative being able to get put on the ballot. Um, and I guess something else we should mention was that um, pets were included in this initiative. It wasn't just livestock. So pets pets were also a part of this. And the Supreme Court gave a ruling of the reason that it couldn't be put on the ballot and couldn't be put on the ballot was because that um, it was a two subject um, matter instead of one subject. And so it, it laid out you know, the rules for, for a ballot initiative to be able to be approved and to go on the actual ballot. Um, and this one, this one simply said, there's too many subjects in the, in the um, initiative. And so it can't move forward. And um, that was by didn't having that pet clause in there as well. Yeah. And it's, I guess what's, what's a little scary to me, I have two things, but first, correct me if I'm wrong, but this would have been a co- put in the constitution of Colorado, correct? Rather than just. Yep, it would become part of Colorado state constitution. So Colorado's constitution, unlike Idaho, just because I'm familiar with Idaho right now, um, is easily amendable. So Right, because of these ballot initiatives. Yep, so something like this ballot initiative ends up in the constitution and it's stuck there for a while, unless so to get it out of there, would you have to do another ballot initiative or how do we remove stuff out of the constitution once it's there? Do you know that process? I don't know that process. Um, I don't know if it would take another ballot initiative to get that pulled out or if there's something else that can be done. But like you say, it would be it would take a lot of time and, and effort um, to mount something like that and to get it removed. Um, and, and, 
you know, it would, it, it might be the sort of thing where people just throw up their hands and say, oh, well, it's there. Um, we can't do anything about it. And that's certainly not the reaction you would want. Yeah, no. And it's, it's kind of scary too, because it's, um, you know, what, what made this, I guess, fail or that the Supreme Court ruled the way they did wasn't the content of um, the, the initiative, but it was rather the um, fact that it was a technicality. They didn't right. meet the definition. So they, and then they, um, they provided with it a 27 page court opinion with it, which just blows my mind. But to me, it wouldn't be hard. Like this was just a trial run. Like what now they have, they have what they did wrong. They have this court opinion and are they, are they going to come refile or did, do they realize that maybe we all think that it's a little too far out there and we're going to hang it up? I'm concerned. Right. I'm concerned they're going to come back and meet with, maybe it's something different, but they're going to come back. Right. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. There is no question in my mind that they will come back and they'll come back better prepared. Um, to make this thing to make or something similar to get onto the ballot um, that Coloradans, you know, will have to vote on and, you know, it'll have a nice pretty name with it and, you know, say that it's targeting animal cruelty or something like that. And of course, who wouldn't want to, you know, ban animal cruelty or, or things like that. But really the, the, um, the point behind initiatives like this, if you start digging into the, into the who's bringing them forward, um, our, our organizations like the Humane Society of the United States, um, you know, Direct Action Everywhere, all these animal rights act, act all these animal rights organizations um, trying to to ban production animal agriculture, and that's um, you know, <laughs> it's I don't like to say this, but I think it's the truth is that. Um, you know, they're, they're a hell of a lot better, more organized and, and better funded than agriculture is to be able to fight these sorts of things. Like you said, this, this particular act was thrown out on a technicality, not that we all got outraged and posted something on Facebook. And by we, I mean production animal ag. Um, and I hope that we realize that and, you know, sort of tighten our belts and, and recognize this for what it is and uh, be prepared for what comes next because there's no way that this doesn't come back with Colorado being as purple as it is in terms of um, politics or excuse me blue it flipped completely blue at the last election um, and you know with the rural and urban divide that we have with the metropolitan area compared to what we've got like out on the plains in the western slope I just don't think that um, you know it it will be too easy to be caught with our guard down again. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, you know, it was kind of, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, all the different animal organizations that we have in Colorado, you know, Colorado Cattlemen's Association, the Livestock Association, the Dairy Association, the pork guys, the wool growers, all those came together and formed Colorado, um, what was it, Colorado Care, animal cares or something like that, you know, something that was a little, to me, a little touchy feely, which was, I think was kind of cool to see that all these organizations that have, have a similar goal, but have also had historical conflicts of some sort, you know, the, there's always a little 
tension, say, between the sheep guys and the beef guys over grazing. You know, there's always some tension between the dairy and the beef guys over resources and feed and that sort of thing. But to, to put all that aside and come together and um, be able to say, this is not okay and we're all in this together was to me at least one positive thing that came out of out of this out of this and we've got to keep that momentum rolling forward if we want a fighting chance of, of stopping in it in it stopping them in their tracks and trying to prevent anything from happening in the future absolutely i think you make a great point there and yeah i hope too that agriculture can continue that kind of camaraderie and collaboration um, because it's not something that any one industry can do by itself. It's going to take all of us, um, particularly given that we're such a small slice of, you know, the population um, across across the or across the nation. Mm -hmm. And what I guess one question I have is, you know, we say, okay, we we've got to do our part. We've got to fight fight this. But what does that look like? What does that fight look like? You know, is it I think posting some on social media is good. Telling telling what we're up to and what's going on um, is a good thing. But we've got we've got to find another avenue of of stopping this. And I don't know what what it is. Does it get to the point of legal? Does it get to the point of you know full on fights with these people? Or where wh where's this line drawn? Or what's even the actions for us to take? Yeah, that's a great question, Val. I mean, that's something I think that we face every time something like this comes down, comes down the pipeline. Um, you know, really, where where will our time and dollars make the most amount of difference? And it's not yakking at each other on Facebook and giving back slaps and saying, "Hey, that was really well thought out." I mean, you know, like you said, there's a time and a place for that for sure. But um, you know, this this sort of thing really needs to be taken. You know, you have to be talking to the voters and 99.9% .9 of them, um, you know, don't come from the backgrounds that we do. We'd have to go and find them and actually talk with them, you know, and explain why this is, this is a hard, or this is a, this is a bad idea. And, you know, it would take targeting media at those populations and, um, and those sorts of things. And certainly agriculturists are resourceful enough and have the kinds of connections where we could um, make make that happen. It's just a matter of, of, you know, ensuring that our target audience is actually reached, like you said. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's kind of funny because agriculture is not typically, I mean, you have your, you have certain groups and that will do, that will protest and stuff, but agriculture for the most part isn't like, these animal activist groups that go to Denver and protest. They don't show up on farms and ranches protesting, you know, but is, and and I'm not for protesting. I mean, I'm not, a, I, that's just not something I do. I'm not totally against um, civil protests or marches or whatever, as long as they're civil, but another topic and rant for another day. Um, <laughs> but that's what, you know, you see, you see PETA and you see HSUS outside of the meetings at NCBA with, with the signs and with, and I don't think they get anywhere, um, especially at a meeting like NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, but when they're in downtown Denver, are they picking up traction? You know, that's where a huge populace is. And that's, 
that's where um, people people are kind of influenced you know they don't know anything about agriculture and if they're if they're handing out a flyer about kevin the chicken like they did at csu (laughs) who's there to say that um who's there to say that kevin the chicken actually has a decent life and he'll be okay you know um because that's that's what happened to csu we got all sorts of flyers and how many students actually saw Kevin the chicken and we're like I gotta quit eating chicken you know (laughs) um but how do we it maybe it's handing out brochures or having barbecues and and just inviting people but we've we've got to get out there more and I maybe we're beating beating a dead horse a little bit with this topic but it's I don't know it it hurts my brain and sometimes like none of us want to go downtown Denver and have a big barbecue and talk with people we don't know or who might hate us, but it might be something we have to do. Right. It might take, it might take something like that to, to help move the needle a little bit um, and, and get outside of our own comfort zones and, and really, you know, push the envelope a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you could get, wonder if you could get hot dogs or hamburgers donated for the first 500 people that show up, you know, maybe that'll, that'll be the difference between this coming back and not. Possibly. That's entirely possible. And speaking of this coming back, um, there is a sister initiative in Oregon um, that has brought basically the same issue, um, but without the pet factor. And so is likely to end up on Oregon's ballot this, not this fall, whenever the whenever it's time to vote again. <laughs> um, but, you know, we need to watch that really closely, support Oregon agriculture as much as we can and, and learn from that because, um, you know, like we've been saying all along, this is coming back for us um, in some shape or form. It may not look exactly the same, but like you say they sort of got a playbook as to what they did wrong. And so now they can go and do everything right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even if you don't live in the states where this is happening, Oregon, Colorado, um, Washington's got some wonky stuff going on too. Um, it affects us all, and it affects it affects me shipping my cattle to, to mm-hmm. potentially JBS or shipping milk to Labrino or you know the the other processors there and. And it all affects production ag. It's going to affect commodity prices. It's going to affect um, beef prices, export markets. Like it, the trickle will affect consumer prices too in the grocery store. Yep. It, and it'll be, and our product's not going to be as good. There's there's just trickle effects and and stuff that are going to happen that I don't think we even know about yet. If this were to pass, mm-hmm. um, and that's what scares me more than anything. I think the initial like agriculture is resourceful enough to find a way, like we'll find a way to, to work around these parameters if we absolutely have to, you know, we'll, we'll find a way, but it's going to, raisin beef till it's five years old is going to taste like dog doo-doo <laughs> and, um, you know, not being able to AI dairy cows is going to cause some, cause some issues and we're, and it's going to slow production down regardless of if we can do it or not. And it, it's going to, it's going to affect everybody. And I don't think anybody realizes those ramifications. 
And right. yeah, it's easy to look at it and say, yes, I want animals treated better. Of course we all do. We all want animals to be treated as, as best as they possibly can. Yep. Um, and I know we say this every time we get on a topic like this, but by and large, everybody in, in animal agriculture is trying to do their best by the animals that are in their care. They're intent on proper animal stewardship um, and taking care of the animals that are in their trust. And of course there are bad actors out there, but they are few and far between compared to the people who are trying to do everything right, um, make a living and provide food for our country. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's a great place to place to end and, and leave on a positive note a little bit, but listeners, um, we do appreciate you tuning into this week's episode. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take you. Um, if you want to know how to help or want more information on this, on this topic, we're happy to, happy to help um, in that department as well. So feel free to email us at talk to us at millennialag.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next week, we are Millennial Ag.